Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 706-0111. 706-0111 on this Monday. There were some games. I mean, it wasn't like championship games or the Saints playing, but there were some games over the weekend. Um, and so we'll still treat it like a Monday. We'll be doing more interviews as the week goes on, as we usually do. It is Super Bowl week, and it hit me driving to the show this morning that did we talk about the I don't know that we talked about the Super Bowl at all last week which I don't mind because it's like I get why they want two weeks for the Super Bowl because of all the logistics and all of that makes sense um but it's two weeks of Super Bowl talk if it's not like the Saints playing it it can get a little much so I'm good with not having any Super Bowl talk to this week. Yeah, I'm good with that too. We, um, the beginning of championship week, I was, as the week went on, I changed my tune and and, and it just kind of, not obvious because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, obviously the Bengals could have won, but uh, I don't know. I just didn't like the way the Bengals were acting. And I started thinking about you're on the road and you've lost three close games to this team and they're acting like they own them when they beat them by a field goal. Mm, I didn't like that. So by the end of the week, I had changed and I went with the Eagles and the Chiefs. And that is what happened. I I think the Eagles, I mean, I'm not saying someone this week's not going to tell me something that might change my mind. But I think the Eagles are just better in just about every area of the of the field on the field. But not quarterback and not head coach, and that's where when I'm in a close battle, that's what it makes me tough to pick against. That that uh, a g- good point because my next the, the only thing the only reason the the way that I mean obviously turnovers. I mean if you turn over the football, you got an excellent chance of losing unless you're the Jacksonville against the Chargers situation, which was just bizarre. But of course, that's the charters. That's just kind of how they do things. Uh, it would not shock me at all if the Chiefs outcoached the Eagles, and that's not to say anything against the Eagles' coaching staff. Just because I think they've done an excellent job. Uh, really, I mean they their scheme is really good on offense. You know, they really get pressure on the quarterback, and I mean, I just think the Eagles are better now. If you tell me that. The Chiefs coaching staff will outcoach the Eagles coaching staff. I can believe that. I mean, the Chiefs coaching staffs outcoached a lot of staffs in in the last however many years. I mean, even before. I mean, he's a veteran coach with a good staff, and they've been together. And there's no reason to think they can't do outcoach them. But uh, no, I and you know, I think the Eagles are just better. So we'll see. Um, if I change my mind over the week, I think they can cover better than the Bengals did. 
I think the Bengals do, do a good job of getting pressure, but I think the Eagles do a better job of getting pressure. Um, and I think they can run the football. We'll see if how the um, how good of a job. Now, to be fair, the Chiefs did a pretty good job of after the Bengals just sliced up the the Bills defense running the ball. And the short passing game, which is in some cases an extension of the running game. Um, so certainly any thoughts you have about the Super Bowl matchup, uh, we did not do any of that last week. But, you know, I mean, you could have called last week. I w- would have certainly discussed it, but uh, can certainly do so this week. Um, Saturday, great atmosphere at the Cajun Dome like we hoped for, and it was. Didn't you think there were more than 5,300 people there? We talked about the accuracy of attendance. And, again, I'm not great at it, so it could have been it could have been to the person accurate, and I wouldn't know, but it just seemed like there were more than 5,300. Well, I, I think a big part of it, and I don't know how long they've been doing this because I can remember for sure sitting in the upper deck sometimes when I was a student here, which was, you know, only the last five years or so, but – now that they closed that off, or, I mean, I don't know, I guess you could still get up there, but no one goes into the upper deck. Well, there's no reason to, really. Right. If... I mean, yeah, but it's just usually just a few people choose to, but yeah. it doesn't seem like that happens anymore. Um, and I know they don't sell tickets that have those seats on them anymore. So, yeah, I guess just that everyone was condensed down into that lower bowl it made it seem like more, but more... that's a that's a better atmosphere to have it like that, too. Yeah. I, I mean, it felt, like, it felt like a full arena just in a smaller arena. Now, the, obviously, the bigger arena, which that – place is kind of designed for concerts so i don't know if you're ever going to fill it up but it was nice it was a good atmosphere for sure no it was good and uh they played well in that they led from start to finish the ninth time this season they've led from start to finish including four of the last um seven conference games they led from start to finish there were a few things that weren't good like they had 17 turnovers i'm really I'm really not worried about the 17 turnovers because they've had games recently where they had eight, you know, they had one game where they had like one the whole game. I mean, the whole second half. And it was like 19 and a half minutes to go was right after the halftime. So I'm not really worried long term about the the turnovers. I think they kind of got a little too excited sometime. I, I, I think, you know, it was an exciting Atmosphere, and I think at times they got a little too hyped up. The only thing I am continue to be worried about is the free throw shooting. And you know me, I'm a big. Fr- I, I like, I like doing the. Uh, I call it mastering the basics. I mean, free throw shooting should be an eighty percent something percent proposition, uh, it, for really good shooters. Now you have some bad shooters. I get that. That could mess it up. Um, Free field goal at the NFL level should be, you know, a 90-something percent. You got to do the easy. I mean, it's the closest thing to gimmies in sports. And, boy, they are bad at it, especially Jordan. Jordan's been te- – he started out terrible. Then he went through a good stretch. In the last four or five games, he's been horrific at the line. Jordan's been bad, but one of my concerns was Themis early in the season, and he's been really, really good recently. I which- agree. Down the stretch, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit off air and then maybe a little on air, was that he's your ball handler. So when you're getting pressed late in games and when you're trying to close out games, he's going to be the guy with the ball most often. So he's going to have to make free throws. 
And he's been, I, I don't know the numbers, but I know he hasn't missed many in the last couple of weeks. So that's, No, he's been very good. He's You could tell he's worked on that, and he's improved. Uh, Greg's an excellent free throw shooter, but he went 0 for 2. At a tri- he had a trip, an 0 for 2 trip. And, and Jordan does 0 for 2 trips constantly, it seems like. So the problem with 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 Jordan is he the, they you know he's he gets the ball a lot. I mean, he's the one that draws the most fouls on the team by far. Uh other than the fouls at the end of a game to deal with the clock like you're talking about. So look, I do I don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with his stroke. I just think that you know maybe fatigue has something to do with it. I I think at times fatigue has something to do with him missing free throws. And he played really hard the other night. The whole team did. And so, but I, and and there's nothing wrong. Look, there's nothing wrong with a 10-point win. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is when they get to Pensacola and they play a close game, it would be a shame if you had this fabulous season ruined because you can't make a free throw. Yeah, and. You know, that's the other thing, though. Jordan was up over 70% for a stretch of the season. No, middle of the well, year, and, he was doing great. And now he's back down. I think it's probably below 65% now, and it's and it feels like it's worse than that. Yeah, so. lately it, it, it's been really bad. But, no, look, they share the ball well. They they didn't have, like, this over-the-top, tremendous three-point uh, shooting game, but they hit some key ones. You know, Joe Charles is starting to get a little more involved offensively. He's always been involved in terms of defense and rebounds and and, and passing and just things like that. But he has a very unconventional shot. But look, if it goes in, who cares? And and you know, Kentrell's been kind of not as active as he was at midseason, and I, I think they'll you know that'll that'll come and go. But you know, he's good defensively. Um, I, I think that personally, I thought the defensive effort was a little overrated because it, they played fine defense, no question. I'm not arguing it. I'm not arguing their effort. But Marshall missed a lot of easy shots, like especially in the first half. Like they missed a lot of easy shots. Um, but look, they they played well. They had them rattled for a while. They had one little stretch there with about seven or eight minutes to go where it looked like. Marshall had cut it to seven and was building a little momentum, and the Cajuns ended that in a big three-point play by Greg Williams. It's unbelievable what Greg Williams is doing. Just, he is, right now, I mean, I understand Jordan is the primary focus of most defenses, but right now I think Greg's playing the best basketball on the team, and he's been doing it for a while now. Yeah, he hasn't. I've been looking into working on something right now to kind of compare the the 2018 team that I've talked about a good bit about with this team, and I've found more similarities than I thought uh, when you look at a lot of different numbers. And he's having a year, which Coach Marlins mentioned this, he's having a year that you can somewhat compare to what Frank Bartley did that season. And he's not the number one option offensively the way Bartley was for that team because Jordan is. But, I mean, he again, he's been so improved, and right now, that's the thing. When you need a bucket, there's there's not really one option. Whereas last year, you tried to force it to Brown a lot, and then when Brown was kicking out to open shooters, they weren't always knocking him down. Like there's just a lot of the 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 areas where this team was deficient at last year, they cleaned up, and they they no longer have those issues. So well, and it's been an issue for years. I mean, yeah. again, it's been for many years in a row. The issues have been they don't have a consistent point guard play, and they didn't knock down enough jump shots. Three pointers, jump shots, and and they're doing both of those at you know 
a top 10, top 15 level statistically in the country. So, no, it's all, all of that is good. Before we get to our first time out, I want, I want to see if y'all could help me uh, remember a conversation with Nick that we had on Friday. You know, Nick, I think, was right on the edge. And, look, I get it. I've been there many times. Been, been doing this fan thing with the heart. You know, you lead with the heart. Uh, I, I've been doing it for a long time, so I get it. I've been on the ledge many times. Nick was our friend Nick with his Pelicans were was on the edge, and you got to admit he sounded like he was thinking about jumping, and I and I told him don't jump, but I might have shortchanged him because I said look look at this he goes look at these next four games these teams got this record and this record I said you're gonna win at least I th- I, I said two of the next four how about two of the next four he said I take one of the next four. Okay, and I get it. I'm not criticizing. I'm just so fast forward to Monday morning. They're already two and zero. So now it's like I might have shortchanged the Pelicans. Yeah, they. I mean, they fixed some things, and it's funny. Like, and the NBA is weird. The season's so long. Like, it's not necessarily like college. It feels like it takes a few games to build up certain things. Like, a team's not going to turn it around one game to the next. I mean, the Pelicans look like a different team the last two nights. And then Trey Murphy comes back all of a sudden. I mean, because then the other thing, yeah, we talked about Brandon Ingram played great against the Lakers, but didn't play at all, sat out last night, hoping that's just a rest situation that he's not actually hurt. But then Trey Murphy comes up with 30 points. So, like, all of a sudden, it feels like there's a little bit. Like, he had a big three at the end of the third quarter uh, against the Lakers. And, um, you know, look, they didn't play. It didn't seem like they played that well. I, I, I saw some of that game. I didn't see all of it or anything. But it didn't seem like they played all that well over, like, two or the first two and a half quarters. And it's I love listening to the – what's his name, the old Knicks coach. I mean, he's just so negative, and I love it. I love listening to him. I mean, I, I just think he's great. But, um, no, it, but, uh, no, they – Ingram looked like Ingram Saturday. And it's even better that if it was a rest situation, obviously, if that's a big if, but if he got to be able to rest a little bit, and you you got a dominating win over normally beating Sacramento at home is almost considered a gimme, but this year it's not really that's not really the case. But and like I told you the week before, when you lose that many games in a row, what does that mean? It means you're due to win. They're due to win, especially at home. They're just due to win, and so. Uh, hopefully our friend Nick is off the ledge and if they can get one of these next two, I mean, not, you almost look at it as Lanyab now. So I get it. I get panicking. I get looking for the ledge. Um, and I also get that it's a whole lot easier for me to say, cause my heart's not on the line. That's just the way it is. I understand how that works. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game again. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you want to talk about Cajun basketball, if you want to talk about uh, the Super Bowl matchup, uh, the Pelicans, whatever you would like, NFL, There, n- no big happenings. There were some news. Uh, the Arnold's hard, the defensive coordinator for the Broncos, Sounds like the Broncos are going to interview Brian Flores for that opening. Um, Didn't sound like he wanted to stay in Denver. And so, you know, supposedly he was big buddies with Hackett because if you remember, he declined to be the the interim coach when they fired Hackett and they got Jerry Rosberg. So – I think some people are starting to think that he just he wanted out, and and that's fine. I mean, that, that's not an unusual thing. You fire the coach, some a lot of the coaches leave. You get a new staff. It's not a big deal. Now I do think he's a good young coach, so I don't love the fact that he went to the Arnolds. But um, wasn't a lot of other news, but a lot of talk. A um, lot of talk, even more than last week on the rumor sites with. The possibility that the Saints or someone other or some other team could trade draft picks. I've even people look two or three weeks ago. You look at a potential trade for for Carr, and they were talking fourth round pick. I mean, somebody over the weekend said a first round pick. I said, "Are you crazy?" Like, I don't think I don't see that happening. I really don't see that happening. But another thing that came out over the weekend is something that was discussed here and there. At the end, towards the end of the regular season. And that was trading Z28. And at first, a lot of people would say, um, um, no. And I'm certainly not saying yes. But I'm not saying my first reaction was, well, that's stupid. That would be dumb. First of all, he, how much has he really helped the Saints in the last two seasons? Because it's like all of a sudden they don't have any idea how to utilize him. Like, he's facing a suspension. He plays hard sometimes, but I don't think he plays hard all the time. Um, and is it possible that his best years are over? I mean, I'm not saying it's definite, but I think it's possible. I don't I don't think he breaks that many more tackles than an average player breaks anymore. I he, to me he doesn't. No, I it's a conversation that you would have if you if the phone rings. I don't I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, he's yeah, he's a great player and it would be very difficult to see him go. I think he's like the last uh, you know, one of the last few core guys from some of those you know, great teams with Breeze, and I think that that's something that fans will probably cling to. You know, once because Cam Jordan's on his way out, Demario Davis is getting up there. Like those are the last kind of guys from those rosters, uh, especially with Michael Thomas probably heading out the door. So, for that reason, it's like bittersweet, or or, or I I would say it would just be bitter in that regard. But like, I agree with you. I mean, he's he's a really good player, but if he if he could bring you some value back, now the thing I'm I don't know how much value you'd get for him, especially with the suspension lingering. Right. But, that 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 is. Um, that is the issue. What would you get for him? And 
could it counter what you might have to give to get Derek Carr? And again, my point that I made last week, you say, why in the world would you trade anything? Well, first of all, I would be very upset if it took a first-round pick. I, I don't even want to give up a second-round pick for Derek Carr. I wouldn't want to do that. Um, and I wouldn't think you would need to. But, but here's the issue. Like I said last week, see, why would you trade when he's going to be a free agent? Because you want to get him. I mean, you want to get him. Like, let's say you don't. Let's say the Saints play. Well, we're not going to trade for him because they're probably going to end up having to release him. Probably going to end up having to release him. But if you don't get Jimmy G or you don't get Derek Carr, what's the next? What's the what's the other options? Not a lot of other options. There is no Tom Brady. And I don't, you know, I guess Jimmy G is not going to be there. But a lot of people thought Trey Lance was going to be an option. I can't believe the cheaters are going to get rid of Trey Lance. I mean, they don't. <laughs> you know, some people were suggesting, and it made sense to me that Trey Lance would go to the Titans because the, the GM that played a role, their new GM came from the cheaters, and he played a role in that whole trade. So that made sense on paper. But with all the injuries. Purdy's done, and I mean, for the season, uh, they're not going to get rid of Trey Lance. So, who are you going to get? I mean, you can play what I call Russian roulette if you want, but how secure is that? Well, let's just hope we get someone that'll work out. Okay, that's how you want to go. I mean, that. So I I hear, I hear, I still hear a lot of people saying, "Well, no, why would you trade for him? Because you want to get him." Now, look, I don't want to trade, say, a second round. I don't want to even say a first-round pick. But let's say they trade a second-round pick. Uh, that'd be like drinking some medicine and it'd be like, oh, man, this medicine better, better, better work. If I got to endure that taste, it better work. But let me ask you this. Let's say the Saints or, you know, the Jets. I mean, we're saying the Saints because we're in Louisiana. That's, the, you know home team let's say the Saints give up a second round once you swallow that very bitter medicine let's say he's the starting quarterback and he does a good job every once in a while plays great but does a good job as a steady win a you know quarterback you can win with for the next five seasons he'll you know that means he would play till he's like 37 36 37 which is no longer it's not out of question anymore um, is that worth a second round pick? Like yes. we, we don't want it. We don't I don't want to give up a second or a third round pick, but if you get a starting quarterback for multiple years, that's worth a second or a third round pick. And that's one of my big like gripes with people that complain about the way that the Saints have attacked the draft in the past few years of trading up. And I understand that maybe they've done it too much at times, but like people love draft picks and the idea of a draft pick just because it's an unknown. But like the draft pick, and they sit there and go, "Whoa! I mean, who we could get anybody? Look at there's there's look at all these guys that are on the board, and we could get this guy, we can get that guy. Well, you're gonna have to get a guy first of all, and then there's a good chance that that guy is Marcus Davenport or Peyton Turner. Like, it's just a pick. It doesn't mean anything. There's no like a value attached to it other than who you take with the pick. So if you can get a guy, and also all these guys are unknown that you're gonna pick. None of them have played in the league. So if you use a second round pick to get Derek Carr, a guy who's played in the league for seven eight years and you know the player you're getting, 
that's a much you know more risk averse strategy than using that pick to draft an unknown. So I, I have no Especially problem. Especially if you're going to draft a quarterback, it's not going to play for you. Yeah, and like a lot of people want him to draft a quarterback that's not going to play. And like the way you look at the draft and the way quarterbacks go, like teams would be pretty happy if they drafted Derek Carr with their second round pick if that's the player it ended up being. Now, yeah, you're a few years down the road and he doesn't have necessarily as many years available. But the thing is, even if you draft the player and he ends up being good, you have to sign him to a long-term contract anyway. So I have no issue with trading a second-round pick for Derek Carr. And look, yeah, there's a chance you do trade it for him and he has a terrible year and he ends up being gone. But that's the same risk you run when you draft a player. But I think people just now, like the, the idea is you're paying him a whole lot more than you're paying a second-round draft that's, pick. And that's fair. But you would have to pay that player down the line anyway. So I don't know. I don't have any issue with it. I um man I was I would hope that it would be a third at the most is what my hope would be um but I I well, well, you know we'll we'll see how it plays out I again it would be bitter medicine if it's anything worse than a third that it will be it will be highly criticized that's why the only the other issue is if you trade Z twenty eight, you already I've already been complaining for two years that you don't have any running backs. You won't I mean you might have to draft one then. Like you really might have to. Now you can pick up somebody in free agency because there are a lot of quarterbacks on the I mean running backs on the market right now. Veteran running backs at different levels. But so you could definitely get one and, and they don't normally come with a with a too steep a price tag, but man, you got to get you got to get some running backs. I mean, they got to get down. You got to get a downhill runner, and then you also have to get somebody if you discover that you could actually throw to running backs, which they see. I think they kind of forgot about that last year. At times, um, you need to get somebody who can catch the ball at the backfield too, especially if you end up trading Z twenty. And I don't even know how serious that is. It was just a a report that was out there that made me think, man, may not be the end of the world was kind of what my my thought was to that. Uh, And if he comes back, they better use him when he's available. All right, that'll do it for this segment. We'll take a timeout. Be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ineptness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 
to Footnotes, Kevin Foote, the game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. By the way, for those who don't know, Fred Silva, it was one of the last games he officiated. He shortly after that decided to hang it up in uh, one season too late for the Saints. But um, all right, so other you've been talking about some newsy things that happened. Not as much a big game, although if you're a Cajun basketball fan, it was a big game. Cajuns beat Marshall by 10 over the weekend, completed the sweep. The women almost got the sweep. They should have got beaten regulation, and once they forced overtime, they should have won the game, had a five-point lead in the overtime, and were not able to hang on. A little bit of a controversial finish, and I – I don't know what you think of that. I, I don't really I don't really know exactly all the rudiments of the rule, but whatever it is, I don't like it. Like if there's something called an intentional foul, we all understand that when you're following the ball to stop the clock and send someone in the line, it's intentional, but as long as you don't go overboard with it, then it's fine. At the end of the women's game, the Cajuns have a free throw shooter who I've been encouraging the coaches to try to teach her how to shoot Kyra Wren uh, underhand, Rick Barry style, and they haven't done it. But she was standing in the corner. They weren't planning on her touching the ball. She, they were basically playing four-on-five basketball, and some member of the uh, Troy team just went to the corner and grabbed her. The ball was 40 feet away from her, but they just went and grabbed her Sent her to the line. She missed both free throws. They bounced in a th- uh, uh, a little jumper in the lane, and they won by one, 81-80. Yeah, uh, I've got a lot to say about this one. I don't understand at all how that was not ruled an intentional foul. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's a weird rule in that it's like, well, it's always an intentional foul at the end of the game, but it's kind of like a loophole within the rule that they, you know, they don't want games to be boring, so they let it happen, and that's fine. When someone has the ball and like even the hack a shack rules, like the NBA's kind of changed it. College, it's kind of still different. But I understand if someone if she gets the basketball, then yeah, you can foul her and center the line at any point in the game. I don't mind the ha- like yeah, yeah. If she's gonna play, she should have to be able to shoot free throws. Same with any you know any game. But in this situation where she doesn't have the ball, now I am kind of confused why Coach Broadhead even had her out there at all. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't I would, have. I mean, I don't know that we'll ever get the real story. I know that normally Coach Broadhead is not due to substitutions. The assistant coaches handle the sub. He's normally done it that way. Now, at the end of a game, should that be different perhaps? And they need to discuss it. I'm sure it's something that just kind of fell through and it, it, it just got lost in the shovel. But – but, but again, that's a different issue. I, the, the actual rule, I, I don't – there's something about that that doesn't seem right. And that's – They now there was change the rule or the enforcement. Well, I yeah, I heard them, you know, kind of ask um, after the game. I, heard, I was listening to the radio, actually, and they asked him right after, and he said, as far as he understands the rule, that's not supposed to be allowed. Now, he couldn't say everything because, of course, you know, league office and him making comments about officials yeah. and stuff. But it doesn't make sense to me at all because, again, if this was – if this is really going to be allowed, if I'm an opposing coach, I would literally grab her every possession of the game. Because if you talk about an expected possession. Well, just get possession, somebody off your bench and just go grab her. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, let all the walk-ons just, just come in and foul. Because she's, you know, look, I mean, she's a great player otherwise. 30%. She's a good defensive player and she plays, she rebounds, but she's not a good, she has no idea how to shoot free herself, which is why she should be shooting them under him. Well, and so. Am I in? In my opinion, when you talk about a little bit of an advanced metric of like expected points per possession, 
your expected points per possession around one or you know however many points it is, I guarantee you her going to the free throw line is gives you a chance to be below that because she's going to miss yeah. both of them more often. So I'm surprised it's the first time it's happened also is what I would say. No, it was – I mean, if they're going to let you do it, then it was a great coaching move. There's no arguing that. Uh, and, and that was, again, it was a – it was a disappointing fit. Now, the Cajuns shouldn't have probably gotten to regulation. The reason why they got to regulation is when they fouled at the end. Now they fouled. You know, it wasn't a away from the ball situation. It was right when the ball was inbounded. They fouled right away. Ashton fouled kind of hard, and their um, um, you know, the girl kind of fought back. Got not fighting but you know got aggravated because she got fouled hard and that happens but she also got a technical foul which gave the Cajuns possession and Sherry Porter hit a three-pointer uh to force overtime but again the bottom line is second time this season the Cajuns women lost in overtime to Troy who's in first place place in the Cajuns were are now in a five-way tie for second place the the key thing is to try to finish in the top four if you can the way I look at things, however, if I'm going to play them a third time in the tournament, I would have then liked the fact that I lost in overtime twice because I think that increases your chances of winning the third game. Yeah, and this was all without Lene Wheaton as well. So yeah, yeah she, she, exactly. They, they they didn't play. They she should didn't play. feel pretty good probably they about should. their they, chances they gotta to make, Troy. still got to make more free throws and layups. I mean, again, it's so much of it is about free throws and layups. All right, so the other big sports happening over the weekend is – Kyrie Irving got traded to the Mavs. I was like, what? I mean, I mean, on the surface, you say, well, you've got a great offensive player who can pass the ball in Luka, but he kind of dominates the ball. How is Kyrie going to handle that? Kyrie's not a, anywhere near a plus defender. So, like, you got to play defense, too, and, and Kyrie is so – I mean, earlier in the year, the Nets were like, man, this is going great. And you're like, the minute you say that, you just know he's going to blow up at some point or you assume he's going to blow up for at some point. And so if you're a Mavs fan, like, there's some moments of excitement here, but, like, you know it's not going to end well because it never ends well with him. So, like, what do you, how do you even react to this? I – I've already we talked about it a little bit on RP3. I think from a doubt from the Mavericks perspective, you had to make a move. You have to try to appease Luca, help him, put some talent around him. So I get why they did it. From a basketball standpoint, they're both ball dominant. I the only thing I can think is maybe you try to do what the Rockets did back in the day when you had Chris Paul and James Harden, where you kind of like stagger who's out there at a given time, and then you just let them start the game together and finish it together, or the same thing they did with Westbrook and Harden. But I, yeah, I don't. They both want the basketball a lot, and they're both not great defensive players. So I, I don't know if it made them title contenders the way that you know Vegas and everything seems to think it did. I think it made them maybe a little bit better, but still in the middle of the Western Conference. So obviously they're thinking we're just going to try to outscore people. I mean, I don't think that's that easy to do. Now you it work in a regular season in the playoffs. I don't know if you can just flat out try to outscore everyone you play. I. I think playoff basketball is different. I, I don't know. That was a little bizarre. And I kind of thought he was going to go to the Lakers, to be honest with you. But, you know, 
Not yet, anyway. <sighs> we'll see how that plays out. If I'm a Mavs fan, and by the way, Stevie P's a Mavs fan. So we'll talk to Stevie P Thursday and see what his reactions are to that. I'm sure it's going to be mixed in a lot of ways. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, the game hotline again, 706-0111, If you would like to get in, talk about your opinion of Kyrie Irving going to the Mavs. I mean, I have a feeling it's not going to make a big difference once we – a huge difference, you know, once we get to the conference finals or beyond, but who knows? I mean, the Mavs have made runs before. Luka's obviously an elite player that gives them – Two elite scores. Will they be able to defend and rebound and all that? I mean, you know, time will tell on all that. But um, I mean, theoretically, it's a it's big for Pelican fans because you know they played the Mavs pretty good amount of times, and you know it's it's in their conference, and so um, you know it, it's certainly interesting. The other development, or I don't, I don't think it's official yet, but all signs point towards the Saints hiring a new defensive coordinator. Now, I don't think that's a huge deal, just because we all, you know, it was kind of like when when Casper was coaching the Saints as a head coach, he was not the offensive coordinator, but he was the offensive coordinator. Like we understand that you hold practices, and there are a lot of things that a offensive coordinator does. But from a fan's media standpoint, we don't put much stock in or even think about that. Like, when we think offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, we talk about, we think play caller. I mean, that's the thing that we focus on as as fans and media members. And so we all know Dennis Allen is going to call the defenses uh, as the head coach. So who the coordinator is, it's not all that important for what. And when I say, I'm not saying it's not, an important part of the team. I'm just saying I'm not going to be all excited about it or criticize it. I'm not going to say, oh, no, Chris Richard isn't here anymore to be co-coordinator and they hired Joe Woods and, you know, it's Doom City. I just – it's a defensive coordinator who's not calling the plays. Now, that doesn't mean his he can't have a really good impact on the team or hurt the team because he can. Um he, you know, you, your position still needs to, to do well. And you still, you know, he's still going to coach the actual players, um, you know. And so it, I'm not saying it's unimportant. I'm just saying it's not anything I think that really, it, it, anything to really overanalyze, to criticize or really praise. And so you just kind of, it kind of, I just kind of take it for what it is, um, filling in gaps. So we'll see how that plays out. And maybe, you know, they get off to a good start for a change. Um, 
and play real well defensively. Everybody, you know, and they might say, well, Joe Woods has had this big impact. Great. That's what you want. But, uh, you know, right now um, I don't love it or hate it. It just is what it is. Um, All right. So a big week in a lot of ways. Got the Super Bowl. Uh, Cajun softball starts this week. So we'll get to see the Cajun softball team. We'll be talking with Coach or plan to talk to Coach Glasgow on Thursday. Uh, we've got baseball now just about a week and a half away. We're going to be having baseball media day in a couple days. So we'll be talking a little more about baseball. I, uh, I still don't think I'm ready for Major League Baseball season. But we're about, I mean, I haven't looked, but normally it's around the 17, 18, 19, 20, somewhere right in there where pitchers and catchers report. Uh, so we'll see. We'll, you know, they'll be, we'll be getting some Major League Baseball news and within a week and a half where people are at training camp sites and kind of sort of starting the season. I'm not a big spring training guy at all. Um I might watch an inning, two innings of spring training. Um, you know, again, I watched probably two or three innings of spring training last year. I think Uli got two hits, a double and a homer. He was hitting about 450 in the spring, and, you know, he didn't hardly get any base hits, it seemed like, for the first two months of the season. So, I mean, again, spring training, I just – I've learned I put zero stock in it. I mean, you just want guys to stay healthy. You know, I'm not a spring training guy at all. Um, and even if, like, Corey Lee hits well in 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 spring, I'm going to be upset about it, but I'll, I'll say, well, it really means nothing. I mean, really, it, it means nothing. Because we've seen guys that hit, oh, whatever, in the fall, in the spring and have a good season, and I've seen guys hit four or 500 you know, one year, what was that guy for the Astros? Left-handed, kind of pudgy outfielder. Man, I get when you get old and see now, it's rough. But anyway, they had this left-handed kind of pudgy outfielder about about 08, 09, somewhere in there. And he hit a bunch of home runs in spring. And he was okay, but it, was, it just it didn't mean anything. It just didn't mean anything, so. I'm not a big spring training guy, even at the college level. I'm just not – like, I know coaches put a lot of stock – oh, so-and-so hit 458 in the fall. It just – I just – doesn't mean anything to me. I just – because I, I can see how you do in the fall. It's just not always a correlation between there and how you do in the spring. It's just totally different, how you hit against your own teammates and how you hit against others – and it doesn't make me right or wrong or the coaches right or wrong. I just never. Most of that just kind of, I hear it, goes in one ear and out the other kind of thing. Now, I might remember that when I'm interviewing that player. You know, you did you did great in the fall and you got off to a slow start. And, you know, they might have some explanation for all that just for the context of the situation. But, no, I'm not. Not bring, not big about fall or spring or summer. Now, you know, if you listen to the Cajun basketball team, 
as the, when as we tell this story, if they keep winning, it's gonna it's gonna it all started in the summer. So there's no question you develop camaraderie. I mean, you can you can build the chemistry in a positive or bad chemistry can begin in the fall, and no doubt about that in my mind. I don't question that part of it. But in terms of the execution, I don't, I don't put as much stock in it as other people, especially at the professional level. And now if you, I, I'm hearing other people nationally saying what we've been saying on this show for a long time having to do with the NFL. The first three games are preseason games. That's what they are. They just preseason that count. And it's just no arguing that. That's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Once again, the game hotline is 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. We talked about a lot of different things in the first hour, a little bit about the Super Bowl, and we'll be talking more about that as the week goes on. Mentioned the Cajuns men's basketball victory. On Saturday, that makes it 10 in a row. Remember when everyone was panicking at 0-2? I do. I have never been a big fan. I understand it's a calendar logistical issue. I get it. But I've never been a big fan of play, opening conference play between Christmas and New Year's. It's just, especially when you got to travel, it's just, I don't know. It's not a good time to be playing basketball games that matter long term. But Cajuns, Cajuns. Lost both of those, should have won one, could have won the other. And since then, they've won 10 in a row. And, again, four of the last seven have been wire to wire. So they're tied for first place with Southern Miss. And guess where they play Thursday? In Hattiesburg against Southern Miss. And I kind of believe that Southern Miss is going to have kind of the same atmosphere the Cajuns had in the Cajun Ope Saturday. So I think the Cajuns are going to feel a little bit like Marshall felt. Uh, Marshall, I thought, missed a lot of easy shots, especially in the first half. And so um, maybe I'm sure the crowd had something to do with that, or perhaps it did. Uh, we'd like to think so, and Coach Marlin would like to think so. So hopefully the Cajuns can kind of overcome that. It'll be a really big game tied for first place and you're playing the team that uh, isn't tied with you that you beat earlier this year and so at home and really I mean it was a competitive game but the Cajuns kind of controlled it I mean most people came away from that game not thinking Southern Miss was all that imposing and yet they haven't really lost but like one other game the rest of the way so they're doing something right they just didn't happen to play well that well that night doesn't mean they can't beat the Cajuns on Thursday. So we've talked about that. We talked about a little bit of controversy. Now, again, you don't have to care about women's basketball. It was a, it was kind of a rule issue that it was. I mean, I'm not blaming the coach from Troy uh, or criticizing her. It worked. She made a kind of out of the box move, and it worked. But not something that a lot of people, you know, kind of 
don't feel you know feel real good about. So certainly we could talk about that. We talked about Joe Woods. I looked to see one report said he was officially been hired, and every other report that I saw said he's going to be hired. It just I don't know how official it is, but um, you know he's kind of a secondary guy. They also hired Grantham over the weekend. I believe he's going to be coaching linebackers. So I don't know, maybe. Um, You know, may, maybe, you know, they need to put more pressure on the quarterback or whatever. So we'll see in time how, how that works out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Hey, I just wanted to tell you, the game Saturday night in the Cajun Dome, man, that was fantastic. Good atmosphere over there, and boy, it was great seeing the Cajun chicken. That was when I was back in school, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Be able to see the Cajun chicken again and do all our skits, and I really enjoyed the one he did. And when he walked out with them two balloons, I said, what the heck is he doing? And then one way, I finally figured out what he was doing. That was original. I loved it. Yes, there were uh, a lot of people that, that had never seen the, kid, the Cajun chicken and and uh, other people who have seen him and missed him. And not, no, again, it added to it. Um one of the things that I thought had to be a challenge after I didn't really think about it beforehand, but they do a lot more now during timeouts at Cajun games. And so I think I think they kind of struggled, you could tell, with like trying to fit in the kitchen, the chicken and everything you wanted from the chicken and do all the other things that they normally do during timeouts that they didn't really do back in the 80s as much. So uh 80s and 90s so no it, look and the K, look the important thing is the cajuns won it was a great atmosphere i think everybody left with a smile on their face and felt good about the experience yes sir exactly and i wanted to give you a little recipe too i heard you talking last week about street corn where my wife's spanish should we make that for like most of the holidays so best recipe you could do an easy recipe for street corn Either use the whole corn, like the whole corn on the cob, or even the canned corn. Have you ever heard of a, a seasoning called tahin? It's a Spanish spice. You put that with the corn, with your butter. You cook that down, and then after you cook it down, you add some shredded cheese or some queso. Uh-huh. You put that on top of there. And talk about killer. I can believe it. I can definitely believe it. And guess what someone, our uh, our friend that are on this show, I, I guess we call him the, um, I don't know, candy corn man. He, he, come, he came up with some crazy candy corn, like Thanksgiving dinner candy corn. He found something. I don't know how he finds this stuff, but he, find, he sent me a picture. Street corn Cheetos. Have you ever had those? I'm not a big Cheetos fan. My son Russ likes Cheetos. I like old school. He likes all that spice. It's awful, but uh, no, the, I tasted them. They're okay. Street corn Cheetos. I didn't. I I, I hadn't even heard of street corn until about two or three months ago, and now uh, street corn Cheetos. Well, if I would have known, I would, I don't know why I didn't think about it. I should have told you a long time ago. But why is that Spanish? Should we make that like for Thanksgiving? Like oh, it's good. Dish. I mean, it's kind of like corn mock shoe, which I've had my whole life and is outstanding. I love it, but and it just uh, was unfamiliar with you know street corn. But no, it's it's it, great. It's very similar to corn mock shoe. Yeah, I mean, you can even add onions and peppers to that and enhances it. But you 
put that tahini, you put a little butter, or you can use a little cream, and then you add that queso or the shredded cheese like they use on tacos, the white cheese, killer. All righty, sir. I'm glad you enjoyed uh, the Cajun Home Saturday. Thanks for the call. Okay, tell me how the recipe is whenever you, I get a chance to call back. All right. Thanks. Well, I don't do much cooking, I got to tell you. My wife or mother-in-law or daughters or some of them, I mean, I you know make breakfast here and there, but I'm not much in all that other. But I certainly uh, will let you know if I can get her to, to make them. Um, I need to tape it and play back what he just said. But, um. No, so lot, lots of, again, lots of discuss this week in addition to the Super Bowl and basketball and softball starting. We've got the state wrestling tournament this weekend, which means that, you know, we're in the middle of the soccer playoffs of the high school. We're in the postseason a week from, I think it's tomorrow, if I'm remembering correctly, or a week from today. We're about a week away from the girls' basketball playoffs starting in high school so I'm, and then the the boys will start after that, and so what I'm saying is all these sports are starting to collide. You know, the last few weeks has been busy, but not really, 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 really busy. But for the next month, I mean, we're gonna have all the postseasons in high school uh, coming to a head with state tournaments and soccer and in wrestling this mo- this weekend, as I said, and then uh, the state playoffs in basketball. And then, you know, and then before we know it, we'll be in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament and the SEC Tournament. And then, you know, we have baseball and softball for the Cajuns and the Tigers and everyone else. So it's And then right after all that finishes, we'll be right into Major League Baseball. And so, it no, it, the next, it's going to be really busy over the next six to, to eight weeks. Um, a lot more than... Uh, the month of January was, but again, that's that's all good. That's all. That's all. Some, you know, it it it, it can be lots of fun. The weather's a little warmer today. Good sign, maybe for this weekend. Um, uh, just you know, baseball and softball is just, you know, it doesn't matter how tough you are, or how much you like cold weather or not. Uh, baseball and softball is just not meant for the cold weather. It's just not. And the Cajun baseball team, especially, man, they played in some cold temperatures last year. That was not. That was unreasonable. Yeah, I have some somewhat bad news for you. The temperature is actually supposed to drop on Friday. The high only goes up to 60, whereas it's going to be in the low 70s the rest of the week. But it should be sunny Friday and Saturday, so maybe that's a little trade-off. Well, I guess it could be worse, and it's been worse. So, no, it's um, – Again, I say I say this every year. 50 degrees at a baseball game or a softball game is not the same as 50 degrees at a football game. It's just wor- it's worse. Cuz in football you just you just have that mentality. 50 degrees don't feel that bad when you're at a football game or when you're sitting there watching baseball or softball. It is it's paw ball. It's not good at all, but we'll see. Hopefully um we get through it pretty easily and obviously the most important thing early on is you get experience for the players who have never played at this level and hopefully you stay healthy and again you don't have a whole lot of kind of exhibition tune-up kind of games for this for this team because they go right into a brutal schedule in week two now the good thing about that is in a lot of these cases 
you may have a better chance of beating them early in the year because maybe their ducks aren't all in a row as if you played them in a regional or something. You know, I'm talking about like the Florida States and UCLA's in the world. Um, your ducks probably aren't all in a row yet, but maybe if you play well early and get off to a pretty hot start, and they don't have, especially since the Cagers are going to have some new players. Uh, you know, the scouting reports are not all totally full and detailed yet. And so sometimes it might be the best time to play a top five team in the country. We'll see how that plays out. And years ago, when Coach Lotif was coaching, they were really ahead of the game against better than most teams in the country uh, early on. And so... That was the case for them. I don't know that that's as much the case um, with Coach Glasgow's teams. I guess they've gotten off to pretty good starts, some of them, no question. Uh, uh, a little different scenarios, but but no, you, sometimes playing teams early on, it sounds intimidating, but could actually be good for you, especially since... You know, the Cajuns have some new players, but their pitchers are all back. Their top three pitchers are all back, and they've all had experience. Now, that doesn't mean they're on the top of their games yet. Sometimes some of them get off to slow starts. But that is, um, you know, when you have your pitchers back, if you don't make a bunch of errors and you hit a little bit, you can pull off some upsets. I I would expect that they would pull off some of those um, next, you know, we're talking two weeks down the road. So, no, it'll be exciting. No question to see how the softball team does. Yeah, and I, I've i spent the last couple of years at Florida State, so I'm pretty familiar with that roster. And I know that's the whole point of that tournament, but I will just say that that roster is absolutely loaded. They only lost one of their pitchers, who was their second pitcher, and one, one or two people in the lineup, but the rest of their lineup's back. And uh, they got upset in the regionals. It was shocking when they lost, so... They're going to be. That's going to be a tough game. I mean, they should all be in that tournament. It should be. You're going to find out a lot about this team early, and so that can go one of two ways. But I think Coach Glasgow is kind of looking at it as a win. You know, no matter whether they win a lot of games or not, so it should be good for them. No, it it, it we'll, we'll we'll find out for sure. And again, they have some young girls who are first time are going to be playing Division One softball. So I, I I just wouldn't expect them to hit all that much. And if they do, that's line up. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For Sports Talk Love, that is... I'm ready for love. Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, We have talked about uh, Super Bowl matchup a little bit. 
I don't know that I totally got a pick for an early week pick from Dawson, but I kind of think the Eagles are going to win. Um, I think most of the country's been on that AFC is way better than the NFC mentality all year, and there's no question the depth in the AFC is 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 deeper. That doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl, and I, it doesn't mean that the Chiefs are better than the Eagles either. But you you picking who right now? Um, I'm leaning Kansas City. I'm still going back and forth. But, like, again, when it comes down to me and, like, in these big games, and I guess maybe it's part of the part of the problem is that I grew up in the Tom Brady era where, like, non-elite quarterbacks didn't win a Super Bowl for, like, 15 straight years. And so I guess I just got that in my head. You had Flacco, and that was weird. Um, and then you had Nick Foles once that happened. But, I mean, other than that, it's Brady, it's Manning, it's Breeze, it's Russell Wilson, it's, like, it's guys that were in the top three at their position at the time, and so. And how many of those did not have defenses? Not many of them. Most of them, right? You think so? Most of them had defenses yeah, right. that were really good, Most of those or New that were teams. really good at forcing turnovers. The reason why the Saints won the Super Bowl is because they forced turnovers like crazy that year. Now their defense wasn't great; it was good. But they force turnovers like crazy. The reason Brady won all them years is their defense forced turnovers like crazy. And they were great in special teams. Great. Not good. They were great in special teams. Uh, I just, I think the Eagles are, I wouldn't say they're great in special teams, but their defense is good. I mean, they get pressure on the quarterback. How did the Yucks crush well, they cheated. You could argue they cheated, too, because they got all the calls. But but how did they, on the scoreboard, crush the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, they, and they, they shut Mahomes down. They got pressure on the quarterback. But I just don't know if – I know this Eagles defense is really good, and, and I, I agree that they are, but I just trust Mahomes and Andy Reid to get this thing figured out. No, I look, I, and they didn't. They they have now. Reid is. I'm not his, saying what you're saying is wrong. Right. I I think that out coaching them is the way to do it. Look, I think the two weeks thing helps the Chiefs tremendously. I think if they played yesterday, the Eagles win by double figures. Now, I think the extra week will help the Chiefs. Um. In terms of coaching and game planning, but also the health. Like, their receiving core was not very good in the AFC game, championship game. It does also help Jalen Hurts to try and get that a little bit healthier on the other side. That's fair. And, look, there's no question the Eagles in the championship game didn't really perform that as well as the score indicated. I mean, they didn't earn many of those 31 points. The officials gave them to them. And so... I get that as well, but I also think that the Cheaters' defense is better than the Chiefs' defense. And to even go against my own point a little bit, Andy Reid, as great of a coach as he is, he has like predominantly struggled in bigger games. Like He hasn't had his greatest. For so long, it was Andy Reid is just a guy who chokes in the big game because he had never won a Super Bowl, and that continued into his tenure with the Chiefs, and he finally got over the hump, but... You know, just to play both sides of it, he has struggled at times to call really good games, and that game against the Bucks is maybe a prime example. Now, some would argue they just didn't have much. They had offensive on line the, issues on the line, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. maybe not much of his fault, but yeah, and they're going to have to do some things. Kelsey is an X factor, of course, and they're going to have to get him the ball. Without, I said I thought Tyreek Hill being out was going to hurt them against the Bengals, and I think it did. I think it made things more difficult. 
Um, so maybe somebody has to emerge, and maybe Isaiah Pacheco can run angry, and, and maybe the if they're able to run the ball, too, that's another thing. I think they weren't able to consistently run it against the Bengals anyway. They had some spurts, but if they're able to get a consistent running game against the Eagles, that could really open things up, but I don't know how easy that's going to be. Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, just, again, watching that cat run the ball just angers me. Just, just angers me. But... He is uh, he he is quite impressive, and um, you know, and and neither one of these running teams, neither one of these teams have elite running backs, and yet they're able to run the football. And so, that tells me it's coming from scheme, it's coming from their offensive line, and um, it's coming because they have the ability to throw. Like their passing games are very different, very different. Everything they, that's why I hesitate. When I say the Chiefs' chances of winning is because they could out-coach him, that doesn't mean I don't think the Eagles are well-coached because, to me, the Eagles are very scheme-oriented. I know everyone says they have the best roster and all that. I get all that. But I think they have the best roster that fits their scheme. I think their scheme is a huge part of what their success. And it's a huge part of why I wanted no part of um, – the Saints playing them. That's why I've been started harping on that game like in March. You know, I was like, man. And and, and I still think the only reason the Saints won is because Jalen Hurts wasn't there. But still, they performed pretty well against their defense for, for sure. So, no, if you want to talk about the Super Bowl, certainly feel free to do that. Um, we talked about Saints rumors. We talked about the Joe Woods situation being the new defensive coordinator. And, again, uh, he's a secondary guy, so maybe I think the secondary performed well at times. At times, it was especially early on with the safeties, did not perform well. So hopefully he can upgrade some things, and if they work well together, um, so be it. I'm trying to think. We'd have to maybe compare it. Joe Woods was in Denver for a long time, and Dennis Allen spent a year as a defensive coordinator in Denver. I haven't fully... after the Raiders head coaching thing failed. So I'm thinking they they coached together. Yeah, I, I haven't confirmed that yet, but I did see a lot of people talking about Dennis Allen bringing back some familiar names. Yeah, I th- I think he I think they coached that that year together. So that that makes even more sense as far as trying to understand what what what's going on there. So, um. Again, any of those things that you want to discuss, 706-0111, and we'll be talking more Cajun basketball tomorrow with Coach Marlin. Uh, typically, that's at around 935, and looking forward to the game against Southern Miss in Hattiesburg on Thursday. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, Kevin. How you doing, buddy? Good morning, sir. Hey, Kevin, you know, I – how many games, Kevin, the Cajuns have won wire to wire in this streak at seven? Well, they've won nine for the season and four of the last seven. You know what? I I, I think what the Cajuns do at the beginning of the year, they like what, when you uh, – boxes used to go against Mike Tyson. You know, you, you don't you don't know what your plan is once you get hit. And when I, what the Cajuns do is this. It's a left hook to be in the game every time. And uh, all these teams are just not getting off the floor. Well, that seems to be the case, no question. And 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 I think a big reason for that is like 
Marshall kind of, kind of, sort of got back in the game, and they cut it to seven. I, I don't have to go back and look at my notes. What about seven, six, seven minutes to go, something like that? And and they could have maybe got back in it, but but then Greg Williams comes up with a three big, big three point play, and and as good as Jordan is. Most of the time, the Cajuns have other people that can score and help that out. And that's just like we were talking earlier. They haven't had that in recent years. And, and that, that, that really helps when they counterpunch teams when they try to make a comeback. Yeah. You know, uh, Greg, he's, just a, he's, he's our finisher. Uh, you know, when the game went behind or the game's in doubt, really he's the one that puts the game away most of the time. Uh, you know, Kevin, uh, the way it's looking now with Southern Miss only having two two losses just like us, and we have both Southern Miss and uh, James Madison on the road, and also Troy on the road. That's three really tough road games left. I think we might not be the one seed, but if we, being, being that we beat Southern Miss and we're going to have to break over them, I'm pretty sure we, we, will, we won't go further down than a three seed, and it really don't matter. You just need to be a top four seed. Well, that that is the most important thing, and and you'd like to be a top two seed at least. But you know, again, uh, it, it, we all understand, and, and and I and I said it when they were zero and two, and I'll say it again. We all understand it's all about how you play one weekend in March. That's why they were kind of making fun of me in the post game press conference because I was worried about commenting about the free throws after a ten point win, and the and the reason why I do it is. The game, the season's not over. Like they could win every game for the rest of the season, going on the way to Pensacola, and run away with the regular season title. It's not going to matter if they miss a bunch too many free throws and they lose in Pensacola. So it's important that they they be able to make free throws when they need to when they get to Pensacola. Well, look, let's be honest. The main culprit for the missed free throws is, is, is Jordan. You know, uh, and it always it seems to be when he makes his first two, he usually has a good night. But he missed, he made his first two uh, side of it, but then he didn't yeah. follow it up. But uh, you know, look, it's going to be it's going to come down to the final weekend. You know, uh, both us and Southern Miss got some good RPIs right now, but that don't matter. They, nobody fooled themselves. It's not going to matter. It's only going to be one team from the Sun Belt. That's it. Have a good one. All right, appreciate the call, sir. We'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yep. Sounds like we were meant to be together. Or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Want to clear up a few details on the Saints discussion. Uh, with the new defensive coordinator, Joe Woods. They did not coach together. Joe Woods, um, Dennis Allen was there in 15 and 16 and 17. Dennis Allen was the defensive coordinator of the Broncos in 11. So not saying they don't know each other, but they did not work together in Denver like I was kind of thinking – 
trying to figure out the dates there. The other thing is Todd Grantham will coach the defensive line, not the linebackers, like I said earlier. So just wanted to get those things straight. And again, most of that stuff is behind-the-scenes stuff that we're not going to ever talk a whole lot about. Um, um, when Casper was there, he didn't really feature the def- you know, assistant coaches a whole lot and, and not too many teams do anymore. So it is, um, you know, the difference between one or the other, I guess we'll kind of make some generalizations based on how the team performs, but um, we'll see how I play it. Sometimes it's good to change things up. You know, if you have two seasons in a row where you don't make the playoffs and you're kind of used to – and you keep all the same coaches and people criticize you. And sometimes if you don't like the hire, they still criticize you. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how it how it plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Foot. Howdy. You done did it now, huh, Foot? You done up and did it. What I did? It's all your fault. You spoke it in existence. For years you've been saying, we'd rate us. Now – he bringing all them them sorry coaches with him from the Raiders. They was losers over there in Raiders in Raiderland together. Now you mean to tell me he's gonna bring them coaches, them losers? So we really the Raiders, huh? not the Raiders of that was winning with Madden, but the loser Raiders. Who, who are you talking about? Dennis Allen. He's getting these coaches that that was coaching with him, right? Oh no, but over I don't there. think I don't I don't I don't know. I mean, you think Todd Grant? Did Todd Grantham? I don't think Todd Grantham coached with him with the with the with the Raiders. I don't think any of these guys are ex Raiders. You know, TV and listening to you, he bringing his losers with him. That they was losing together. They got history together. All of this. So I mean, we we gonna be the Raiders for real now, huh? No, I don't believe that. Now, now, I would be all for I would be all for Derek Carr coming. He was a quarterback of the Raiders. I'd be good for that. I'd be good with that. I want Carr to come. He dropped the car, but he had Carr in his last year, so he didn't really have Carr for long. So I'm looking at his whole time as a coach with his coaching staff there before Carr and with Carr. You didn't win, so why, why bring losers with you? You supposed well, to I don't. I don't know that they brought staff. any. I don't. Uh, who have they brought? I don't think they brought anybody from the Raiders that I know of. I mean, I have to go back yeah. and look at those Raiders staffs, but. I don't think they have brought oh, anyone from, yes, uh, from, my, from listening to you and from what I saw on TV. So, hey, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I don't need a new TV. That's all I'm saying. But if it, if it happened, you know it's your fault. You spoke it in existence. I just want oh, you to know okay. that. You always okay. said we was the Raiders. It's your fault. All right. <laughs> have a good one. All right. Take care. You know, I was hoping Joe Woods' former team, the Cleveland Browns, would become the new Raiders because the NFL wouldn't like them. But we'll we'll see. All right, let's go back to oh no no. Um. Oh, this was just a question that someone asked. It was the last time you had a point guard like Themis? Well, Jay Wright was not that different than Themis in that he was aggressive to the basket. But the thing that I like about Themis is so often. Teams in the past, guys in the past like a, a, a Jay Wright who's very aggressive to the basket. That ball would hang on the rim and come off. I've noticed Themis has a really – and he missed one the other night, but he has an uncanny ability. When that ball hangs on the rim, it falls in the basket instead of falling off the basket. And uh, I, I like the way he does that. But, no, you know, Marcus Stroman was an effective point guard, but he was a different style of point guard. Um 
than Themis. I think Themis is a little more like a Jay Wright, although Jay Wright had more of a scoring mentality, but he was very aggressive toward the basket like Themis is. Yeah, Stroman was going to be my um, one. Of, again, I've been comparing like the 18 team, and I felt like I thought, man, Themis turns the ball over a lot, so I did some looking into that, and it's actually pretty similar. Themis is about 3.12 turnovers per game right now, and Stroman during the 2018 season, the 27-win team, was at like 2.97. So not a big difference uh, between the two as far as turnovers, which I felt like watching. I feel like I see Themis turn the ball over more, but maybe just something. Well, it's kind of been – he's had games where he's turned it over six or seven times, and then, like I said, the, the two games prior to Saturday – he had turned it over one time over two games, which you know hardly ever happens for a point guard who handles it as much as he does. So it's kind of been a lot or or hardly none at all. Um, you know, I don't know that some of the turnovers that he gets are you would consider silly or over aggressiveness, just being overly aggressive. But he again, I, the, I like I like so many things. I, and recently, I like his free throw shooting. To your point, but he just seemed if you notice like. He's always encouraging his teammates. He's a good leader. He handles things well. And, you know, if he does something wrong, he takes it on himself. And I don't know. I just I just think he's the the leader that they needed. And he's not perfect. None of the players are perfect. I mean, Jordan's not perfect. I mean, no, none of the players are perfect. But he um, – I just really like what he's brought. And he, he, I like the way he finishes. Uh, so often their point guards just – in the past, to me, just didn't finish enough. And I, I like that he finishes. And, um, again, he's not always on the same page. But I'm hoping by the end of the year, again, the, the negative from the other night, they had 17 turnovers and they missed, I think it was 13 free throws. I'm much more worried about the 13 missed free throws than I am the 17 turnovers. I don't like the fact that they turned it over 17 times. But I think some of that is just – that 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 can be massage and look they can turn it around at free throw line too but they need to cuz it's not been not been great and yes it was mostly jordan but greg williams who i think is an outstanding free throw shooter went to the line and had an 0 for 2 trip 0 for 2 trips are rough i mean i don't i'm not a big fan of 1 for 2 but i'm really not a big fan of 0 for 2 that is uh, when you have a lead you just can't have that kind of stuff so Obviously, they have guys like um, Kentrell who are just outstanding at it, and, and and I think Greg is as well. And and again, Jordan, we've seen him go through some very encouraging stretches at the line, and hopefully he can have that once they get to March. Again, the game hotline is 706 Um. Lot, again, lots to talk about. We'll be having more interviews as the season goes on. We'll be analyzing the Super Bowl matchup. It is, I guess it's not abnormal that injuries potentially and recovering from injuries are going to be a major part of this. Um, the Chiefs and the AFC Championship game did not have a lot of healthy bodies at the, uh, what, the cornerback position or – at the wide receiver position. And I consider cornerback a skill position. Now, a lot of people don't. But when you talk about the cornerback, they, they were depleted at cornerback at the end in, in that game, in the second half especially, and at wide receiver. 
I don't think that Chiefs team that beat the Bengals can beat can beat the Eagles unless unless Hurts goes down. Now, if Hurts, I am not a big Gardner Minshew guy. I don't. I didn't like. I, every time, I mean, every time the Saints play against Gardner Minshew. Now, look, the Cowboys played against Gardner Minshew, and he lit him up for a lot for a large portion of that game. So I'm not saying he's absolutely totally terrible. But when the Saints played against Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville and then played against him for the with the Eagles, even a, a better team, uh, what, second to last game of the year, I mean, they just completely dominated in both games. I mean, he looked terrible. I'm not a big Gardner Minshew guy. So if he goes – look, if, if Hurts goes down, and certainly huge advantage for the Chiefs. But I don't think the Chiefs team that beat the Bengals can beat the, can beat the Eagles unless Hurts gets hurt. Now – might not be the same Chiefs team. If they get healthier, it won't be the same Chiefs team. So uh, that's kind of why that's why it's hard to compare games because you don't, you know, who's available and who's not available, all of that plays into it. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Cake season is here, and break rooms are being filled with those delicious sugar-coated pastries. That is so sweet. Just don't be the guy or gal who gets the plastic baby and lies about it. Come on. Come on, really. Step up and do the right thing, cheapskate, and buy the next cake. Cake and need it too, baby. Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Game hotline. Got one more segment here if you would like to call in 706-0111 706-0111 again we've been kind of all over the place talk Cajun basketball the, the the excitement and the good things and the one bad thing to con- that continues to kind of rear its ugly head for Cajun men basketball won 10 in a row gonna play a really high profile Sunbelt game two teams tied for first place playing in Hattiesburg on Thursday, so looking forward to that. Talked about a little bit of the controversy and the different interpretations and, and, and convictions about the rule and how it should be applied at the end of the women's game where an intentional foul was called um, but not really ruled that as an intentional foul. And so, well, it wasn't called. It was an intentional foul away from the ball, not ruled as an intentional foul, a lot of difference of opinion on how that what the rule is or should be or how, how all of that and I'm sure we'll get more response from that this afternoon well shortly uh in about an hour or so from coach Broadhead uh we talked about the Saints situation with uh, Joe Woods being now the new defensive coordinator and how how that plays out and and since we last spoke Todd Grantham was hired by the Saints to become the new deficient I mean defensive line coach I think it was a, a deficient deficient line last year um so obviously you know we'll see how, how that plays out and you know we talked about Kyrie Irving 
I mean, I don't know anybody can make sense of that. And it's gonna be, you know, put it this way: you know who's happy? The the media members in the Dallas area because like, wow, all of a sudden, well, happy and unhappy because it's probably not real fun to deal with, but it's a storyline to discuss. I mean, sports talk radio in the Dallas area is probably already, you know, they talk about the Cowboys all the time, and they can talk about the new defensive coordinator and the whole Mike McCarthy situation. By the way, all the people that have been trying to convince me that Casper's coaching the Dallas Cowboys, they've been trying to convince me of that for about a decade now. Uh, When when is that going to happen? I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but certainly don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But, um... But no, man, can you imagine in the Dallas area, <laughs> Kyrie Irving trade? That gives them a lot to break down and argue and discuss. And and and, and again, the from a sports talk radio standpoint, or just the, you know, the old water cooler cliche that we use, there I mean, I'm sure there's tons of people in the Dallas area that love this idea just because he's a high profile guy. People love offense. Chicks dig the long ball, like we always joke. Um, I mean, people love offense, and he's a great offensive player. He's a Hall of Fame offensive player, not a Hall of Fame teammate. And so th- because of that, there's going to be a lot of people that will not like this trade. This is just fascinating. Um, you know, it's kind of the old everything you get, you kind of – if you're a fan of another team and your heart's not involved with the with the Mavs, like our friend Stevie P, then, you know, you, the old little whatever it's called where you get the popcorn and, you, and you're ready to go just to see what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, we did mention the Pelicans. I suggested to our friend Nick last Friday when he was on and about to jump off the ledge – that they would win two of the next four. Well, they won the first two. So what are they going to do, Dawson? They're going to win three out of four or four out of four? I'll say three. I'm actually – the Cleveland game um, on Friday is going to be tough. I mean, it is a home game, so you have a shot there. But Cleveland is uh, is pretty good, pretty good. They team are. They play the Hawks tomorrow, who are not terrible, but they're just kind of in the middle. Um, I feel good about winning that game. Especially if Ingram plays and he plays like he did, because he looked like Ingram Saturday. At least the part of the game I saw, he was making shots, and you know he looked good. Um, the defense didn't always look good, but that you know that's just... now you're right. Now the problem is after that Cavs game, ain't too many home games for about two or three weeks. But you do get it split up a couple about before the break, couple break, after yeah. the break. I did want to, I had one more stat on UL basketball as we were kind of talking about that a lot today. Um, you know the net rankings is now what it goes by instead of the RPI. Uh, UL is 85th in the net, so that's nowhere even near what you need to be to be an at-large team, so that's not really an option. But uh, there's still a website that calculates the old-school RPI rankings that you know, went away like four or five years ago. UL was, would be 44th in the old-school RPI. So they would be actually in the middle of, you know, they'd be a bubble team at-large-wise uh, with the old rankings, but... And I'm not a huge fan of the way they schedule, and I don't know if maybe they can figure some things out, but it's just strange. And I guess the old formula valued wins a little bit more, and the new formula values kind of strength of schedule more so. Right. But uh, that's a huge discrepancy. I mean, from 85th to 44th in the rankings, just kind of weird to me. Well, and again, you know how it is. Like LSU men and women, how many games did they play on the road? I'm talking about. I'm talking about neutral site. I'm talking about on the road. In non-conference, like yeah. almost none. No. 
and and that's not just an LSU thing, you know. And one thing that is interesting, I, it's not going to matter. They're not going to get an at-large berth. They're too far yeah. away. But Southern Miss on the road would count as what they call a quad one win, which is something that you all had hasn't had very many of in many years but that's what they if you play a team ranked first through 75th on the road it's quad one whereas it has to be like one through 50 if you're at home it's really complicated formula but southern miss is ranked i think like 60 or 61 in the net so it would be a technical quad one win if they got it done on thursday again my argument and we don't have time to get into this but i've argued for decades since the 90s if if your quad one win is a conference win it shouldn't count as much it, conference is different, and, and I, I just don't. That's where I, I've never bought all these formulas, and and I'm and, I, and I'm not arguing that the Sun Belt should get an at large bid. I'm not even talking about that. I, but I've argued for decades. You should not, if you are Duke and you beat Kansas, it should count more than if you're Duke and you beat North Carolina, because conference games are just different. And I've argued that for years until the NCAA figures out that conference is different. They'll, it'll, they'll never get it right, in my opinion. But anyway, we'll argue about that when the brackets come out. I mean, I just, I used to, I just, I just don't have the, I just don't have the energy to do that anymore, at least all through the season. We'll, we'll, we'll do it, you know, when, when, when the brackets come out. But no, again, from day one, we said it's all about a weekend in, in Pensacola in March when they went 0-2. It's all about it, and it still is. No, no question. Y'all have a nice day.